You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. Interesting, uh, a couple of weeks ago when Pastor Aaron was here, there were people physically healed and they testified the following week. And I mean, some, some pretty major healing. There was a, a couple of guys that God immediately healed their hearing. And, uh, and took away things like tinnitus and they could hear and, uh, and things like that. I forget the others. There was a thumb healed and what, what was it? Who? Pete Edwards, yeah. His foot, he testified to that. So, yeah. Can any of you sense anything happening right now? Anybody sense any kind of like Holy Spirit on you right now with healing? Do you? Are you just testing it? Yeah, good. Okay, Awesome. Keep believing, because the Father gives good gifts to his children who ask. Yeah, right. All right, great. Come on, give the Lord a shout of praise. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Thank you, guys, for bringing presents. Well, we don't bring presents. We just flow in it, don't we? we? We say the words, but we know what we mean. It's not as if we can go out there and get it and snatch it and drag it in. That's why some people talk. They, they talk about God as if he's out there hiding from us, and we've got to go do a hide-and-seek with him and snatch him and drag him into the church. Um, that's not what we mean when we say things like that. How are you guys doing today? Gee, two people are good. I hear you, Bruce. Come on, really good? No, you're, you're actually not good. The Bible says no one is good. It does. It says no one's good. You're well. That's even better, isn't it? You are well good. It's good that you are well. Awesome. How good is it to be here together? Come on. Something happens when we're together. You know, I I know God's with us when we're not, but there's something magnified and something, you know, just multiplied when we're here together. You know, alone, we don't make up the house of God. It says in Ephesians 2 that every stone, every person is fitted together to be the house where he comes and dwells. And so when we come together, I'm telling you, things happen. We ought to come with expectation. We ought to come with a faith. Something is going to happen today. So why don't we do that? Why don't we pray right now? Father, we believe that something is going to shift today. Even some thinking that's not quite right will be shifted today by revelation and the work of your spirit that brings truth. We prepare our hearts and our minds to be fertile ground where truth not just lays on the surface or even goes down a little bit, but goes down deep and and begins to break open and things begin to grow from you. I want to thank you that faith comes by hearing your word. Our faith will be enlarged today because of your word. We thank you. It's a word of truth, a word of grace, a word of power, a word of healing, a word of life. And we thank you for this word. Said heaven and earth will pass away. Your word will be here forever. And we want to thank you for that word. It changes us from the inside out. God, right now, we just think of pastors Darren and Beck and the kids. Just give them a great, refreshing time away. God, we pray you just uh, give them time where they can smile, they can laugh, they can enjoy life, and they can just love each other and love you and be grateful for the life you've given. And I know they'll constantly be thinking about what you're doing here. But God, I pray you give them rest. And as Pastor Nate probably prayed over at Central this morning, we thank you the Jets won and the grand final is here. Amen. (laughs) He does it every time, even if they lose. But his faith must be big. They're in the grand final, hey? 
they went from losers last year to grand finalists. Come on. It's good if Newcastle wins anything. Well, most things. I wouldn't say anything. So guys, we're in this series on the Holy Spirit. It's interesting. We're doing it in our campuses. The college is beginning it. Um, I really want to encourage you to do that. It's not just hearing about the Holy Spirit. It's learning to walk with him. Years ago, a guy called Benny Hinn wrote a book, a little bit kind of out there on the edge, but he wrote a book called Good Morning Holy Spirit. And all he was trying to tell Christians was that it should be as natural walking and talking with the Holy Spirit as it is rolling over and looking at your spouse and going, good morning. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and this thing about the Holy Spirit is not just a doctrine. There is a doctrine called pneumatology. That's the technical term. Isn't that interesting? Like when they talk about pneumatic brakes, you know what they're talking about, don't you? Wind, air, pneumatology, the Holy Spirit who is the breath of God, the wind of God. Um, and you can study pneumatology and do all that stuff, and it's a good thing. But you don't just need to study that. You need to learn to walk with the Holy Spirit. Every one of us are called to be led by the Spirit, not just people with ministries of the Spirit. We're all ministers of the Spirit. And so the, we're in this series, and it's awesome, because it has the ability to alter the way we do life. And it's, it's not just listening to a series of sermons and thinking, oh, that's good, that's nice, oh, that's anointed. That's not going to shift anything. What happens is the Holy Spirit comes and he reveals truth. All of a sudden we get revelation of truth. With me, Josh, I can't see the back one. Truth, truth, there we are. Now you're with me. See, I'm all over the place. I'll see if he can follow me. He said, I haven't done this for a while. You'll be excellent, mate. You'll be awesome. I don't know if you saw it, but he even put your scripture up there. That you said, oh, I'm so sorry, Josh. He did it. He's good. So what happens? The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. He comes and reveals truth. And as he gives revelation on truth, we see something we didn't see before. We know something that we didn't previously know. And all of a sudden, faith is germinated within us. Truth brings faith. We believe, we trust. And as we believe and we trust, we get change. Transformation starts happening in our life. That's what next week is really going to get into. The Holy Spirit begins to mold us and to make us. That word transformation, by the way, in the New Testament, is the same word we use to, to explain when, a, when a, a little caterpillar goes into that that cocoon chrysalis happens and at, when that cocoon splits open there is no longer a bug like a worm coming out but this beautiful transformed creature it literally means to be changed from one thing into a total different thing you wouldn't think gee that was a green caterpillar this beautiful butterfly you get into the presence of the holy spirit you come out different we become we don't just get changed we actually become something we become someone and then it doesn't just sit there. It's not just about me and what I get. It, I now get activated. I get moved to action. It's what I do. The Holy Spirit won't just come and counsel us and comfort us and encourage us. He will also move us to move in the power of the kingdom to change this city and this world. It's never just about what I become and what I receive, even though that's good. It's also what I then do with that. Somebody said at the conference, was it John Gray? I think he said when they interviewed him, he said, people ought to be able to look at your marriage and want to become Christian. Because your marriage is actually talked about like no other thing in the Bible, not even you. 
It's talked about as a picture of Jesus and his bride. Mm. I mean, you change, but you don't represent Jesus and his bride. But your marriage does. And he said, if we're living the kind of marriage that the Holy Spirit has created, people can look at it and go, oh, that's how Jesus loves the church. That's how the church follows him. So this is what happens when we start talking about the Holy Spirit. And I think Pastor Darren told you this term. We, he phrased it. We've been working on the term called the new normal. You heard that? The new normal. It's really a misnomer because it shouldn't be new. It should be everyday reality, but it's so new to a lot of us because we don't live it. And it becomes the new normal. And that means a life being led by the Spirit. And the Holy Spirit doesn't just lead us in major decisions. Most people don't ask God, what should I do until they need to know who to marry, what car to buy, should I move here, there. You know, the Holy Spirit should lead you. You, you leave this place, you stop at Hungry Jack's on the way home. If you're in tune with the Holy Spirit, He will lead you to go... You know, that girl behind the counter right now is suffering from depression and she's about to lose it. Could you just encourage her? That's being led by the Holy Spirit. And you go, hey, I don't know you and you know, I don't want to embarrass you, but are you feeling a bit depressed? How do you know that? Well, I don't want to sound weird, but actually God just told me because he loves you and cares for you. And he doesn't want you to be like this. And he has a great plan for your life. And I'll be praying for you. You don't have to be weird and reach across the counter and, oh, shama mahandi hutabada, right there in, in Burger King. You don't have to be weird. Just be natural. Be normal. Be led by the Spirit. Then we looked at being guided by the Spirit. It sounds the same, doesn't it? Led, guided, same word. But the difference is in the context in being led by the Spirit, it's in the context of being the children of God. Those who are the children of God are led by the Spirit of God. But then Jesus now takes this thing in John 14 and 16 and says, When the Spirit of truth comes upon you, He will guide you. It's not the context of relationship now as it is the context of He's going to guide you and constantly guide you into everything about me and about my Father and about you and everything He has for you. And that's the context because he said, well, I'm going to leave you. They're all sad, but you're not going to be like an orphan. Because you know the things you've been seeing me do? You're going to do these things. But you know what? You're going to be doing even greater things than these. Now, every time I used to read that verse, I'd go, yeah, right. I mean, my head couldn't help but go to the natural. I'm not asking you to go to the natural, go to the normal. The natural says, I can't do those things. I'm not the son of God. The normal says the Holy Spirit will enable you to do them because he only did what he saw his father doing, which he's going to tell you and you can do. That's being guided by the Spirit. It's about his kingdom. So there's something vital, though, we can't bypass when we talk about the new normal. We're going to have to backtrack to John 8. I am so sad today. So few of you brought real Bibles. You, you, you disappoint me. This is the real deal, not the electronic things, as, as Pastor Simeon calls it. It's, it's, it's the analog version. I don't, I don't like reading iBooks and Kindle. and i got to have a book in my hands. I know what you're thinking. Yeah, you're old, Keith. Shut up. I had to have a procedure in the hospital this last week. I'm laying in the theater just before I go to the happy place. 
and, and the specialists turned on Chicago. Who remembers the group Chicago? Ooh, I am old. <laughs> so it's playing, and, and I'm talking to the nurses, talking to the anesthetists, and I said, oh, he played that for me. That's my vintage. And one of the nurses went, no, it's not. It's ours too. And, I'm, and, and then the anesthetist, before I could say anything, the anesthetist jumps in and goes, you're not his vintage. Look at his beard. It's gray. He's old. <laughs> and with that, he put me out. Oh. Last words I heard. Look at his beard. He's old. Great. Love it. So, no, I, I just love, I look, it doesn't matter if you read it electronically or, I do both, actually do both. But it has been for decades and decades and will continue to be the world's best-selling book, which is awesome. So, there's something about the new normal Jesus talks about. We're going to backtrack to John 8. I love what Jez did, Pastor Jez. She gave you time to turn to the scripture. I hate it when somebody goes, we're going to turn to this and read it, and then they immediately read it. I go, Hang on, I'm not with you yet. Rule of thumb, if you ever are up here doing something, you ask somebody to read with you, take a pregnant pause and give them a chance to get there. They don't have everything open on a pulpit in front of them like you do. They're not omniscient. They don't know what you're thinking ahead of time. So anyway, just thank you, Jez, for doing that. You did it well, didn't she? John chapter 8. See, I'm giving you a pregnant pause is what I'm doing. John chapter 8. It's on the screen anyway. Thank you, Josh. You rescued me. This is an amazing kind of context here. Before Jesus gets to the point of saying, I'm going away, he's having this interaction with the religious leaders and other people, and they are, they are always and forever trying to trap him. I don't know if you've ever had arguments with people from other denominations or whatever about religion. They just went ding, 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 ding at you. Don't even gut. Just, thanks, mate. Turn, walk away, go get a coffee. Nobody wins in an argument. They're always trying to trap you and show how smart they are and how you're not. Forget it. Paul actually said, you shouldn't, the, the servant of the Lord shouldn't argue with anyone. I used to pride myself in arguing doctrine. Got a degree in theology. I used to love to prove people from other streams wrong. You got it wrong. One day when you get to heaven, you're going to think like I do. And listen, it's an immature way of thinking. That's, that's the way the Pharisees thought. Jesus is in one of these settings where the Pharisees are trying to trap him. This is one of the most powerful chapters in the Bible that proves that Jesus is God. Interesting. He never once says in this chapter, I am God. But the language he is using and the phrases he says about himself, they had no doubt whatsoever. This guy is claiming to be God. Let's pick up some rocks and stone him. And in the middle of this, in this chapter, Jesus says some pearls of things about I am. I am. And every time he says I am, he is reiterating in their brains, this guy's claiming to be the, the one who spoke to Moses out of the burning bush. Because that's what that meant. So in John 8.31, to the Jews who had believed him, there were, he, he had said a lot of things and there were enough of them going, hey, this guy sounds credible. We could believe him. Sounds like a lot of church people. Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. That is a very, very important point. Verse 32, then, only then, will you know the truth and the truth will set you free. The new normal is a life that is set free by the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you said it in the prayer meeting or said it up here or whatever. 
And I, I just want to reiterate this. Freedom is not something you don't have and that you've got to go find and you've got to secure somehow by being holy, by being studious, by being helpful or whatever. Freedom is already yours because of the cross. In, 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 it's not there, but in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, Paul actually told a church that wasn't living in their freedom, hey, it is for freedom that Jesus set you free. In other words, he's already done it. Now stop living outside of it. It's already yours. Let's go to the next slide. The new normal is a life that's set free by the Spirit. That's, that's the truth. And when the Holy Spirit gives us revelation about this life he offers us, it's a life that is free. He's talking about knowing the truth in a real experiential way. He's not talking about get your head filled with doctrine, memorize a lot of scriptures. That's good stuff. But he is talking about getting to know him. And Jesus is talking about having an encounter with God that is real. And it takes place, listen, and it can only take place through the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Why do we go to things like a big conference? I, I hate trying to get in and out of stadiums of 10,000 people. It's just like, oh, God, this is horrible. You know, it's just keep the lines. The lines are from hell. It's not good. We have to wait. I don't like waiting. Whoever put that word in the Bible. Why do I do that to myself? Because I want to maximize encounters with the Holy Spirit. It's not because of the great speakers. The world is full of great speakers. It's because those speakers are being moved by the Holy Spirit so we can have an encounter. And it takes place when the presence and the power of God happens, when the Spirit of God takes the truth of God and bam, He brings it into our life and freedom is just experienced in an incredible way. You don't get it, you've got it. You just start enjoying it. And that's the truth. But see, what Jesus is talking about here is the first and greatest freedom is your salvation. That's where it all begins. That's where you get freedom. This is when we've been set free from darkness. I want to stretch your thinking here just for a minute. When we think darkness, we think sin. We think hell. We think the devil. We think demons. We think the kingdom of darkness, don't we? And that's right. But it's not limited to that. Hmm. Jesus said in John 8, 12, I am, there you go, there's an I am. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And you know what he's talking about? You're not going to be bound by the domain of darkness. Well, the devil's so around me and he makes me do these things. Stop it. Neither you nor me are important enough for the devil to bother us. There's one of him. There's billions of Christians on the planet. What makes you think I'm important enough that he's going to single me out of billions of Christians? He's probably going for right now. He's probably over in Korea trying to mess up the two leaders and get one of them to push a nuclear button. He's going, Keith Edwards? He'll never destroy anything. He can't even kill a mozzie. These two guys could kill millions if they just said the wrong thing. That doesn't mean there aren't demons that try to bother with us. I'm not saying that. But the devil is not making you do anything. But here's the, here's the deal. When you got saved, you got free from Satan's grip. But you know what? Darkness here isn't just about Satan hanging on to you and saying, you're mine, you belong to me. Because Jesus said to them later, you are of your father, the devil. And how did he know that? Because they're liars. 
And he said, he's the father of lies. When you got saved, you got set free from that domain. But when he says, you know, you're not going to walk in darkness, he's not just talking about in the kingdom of Satan, the caverns of hell, demon possession. He's not just saying that. Listen to me. Jesus is also talking about this. You're going to get set free from the culture, the values, the lifestyle of this dark world. They walk in darkness. They're the ones that grope in the dark, not knowing where they're going, what they're meant to do, and it's going to last forever. Because the deal is this. Walking in darkness can mean, I I can't see what's going on around me. I I feel like I'm in the dark. I I don't know where I'm going. I have no idea what my future is. That's darkness. And Jesus said, hang on a minute. I'm the light of life. You're living life. Walk in the light. You don't have, listen, you, you can know what's around you. I don't know what's going on in my family. It just feels so dark at home. The, turn the light on. It's there. How stupid is it if, you know, somebody bought you a house, brand new mansion. Wouldn't that be awesome? And you go camp in it. And they come to visit you one night and say, how are you going? And you walk around with candles. Every room is dark except for you walking with a candle. And they're going, what are you doing? Oh, thank you for this mansion. It's so awesome. I just wish we had light. And they go, we do. Come over here with me. Bump, flick the switch. Light. It was there all along. You just didn't flick the switch. It belongs to you. And Jesus said, you're not going to live your life. When you get saved, you get set free from a life of meaningless, hopelessness, without purpose. Saying, I don't know what's going on in my life. Well, why don't you just talk to him? He's the light of life. I am the light of life. Who, whoever walks with me will not be groping in the dark. So when Christians go, I don't know what God wants for my life. Oh, grow up, sweetheart. Talk to him. He wants to tell you what he wants to do with your life. It's not that complicated. It, it'll be in the light. You're just not in the light. Turn the switch on. He saved you from meaningless living. Okay, all right, I think you got my point. So, I'll stretch your thinking again on another thing. Our salvation also means that we've been set free from bondage to sin. We haven't just been set free from the penalty of sin, but even bondage to sin. All right, verse 24. With me, Josh? Hanging in there? Sweet. Is he doing a good job? Give him a hand. Thank you, Josh. Thank you, Barney. They make me sound and look good. I don't have that deep voice Darren has. We always say to him, stop holding the microphone down here, Darren. But then you get Pastor Simo and it's right here on his lip all the time. I'm I'm trying to be in between. Anyway, I don't want to sound like Mickey Mouse. All right. John 8, 24. That is why I said that you will die in your sins for unless you believe that I am who I claim to be, you will die in your sins. Remember who he's talking to? Orthodox Jews who believe in the God I am who spoke to their greatest prophet, Moses. You tell them that I am that I am has sent you. So here's Jesus going, I am the one who sent Moses. And unless you believe that, you're going to die in your sins. Another version says you're going to be bound in your sins. Listen, casual belief 
will not lead to freedom. Well, I believe in Jesus. Nah, it's not good enough. I believe about Jesus. Nah, it ain't good enough. He said, you better believe I am. I am the one who sets the captives free. I am the one who created creation and holds it all together. I am the one who can lead you out of darkness. I am the one. I am. And, and unless you believe I am, you know what it meant to them? Jehovah God Almighty. The only God of this universe. Unless you believe I am. And it's not just belief, because when Jesus says believe, he's not just going, yeah, I think I get it. Trust. Trust. Some people think, you know, they think freedom, freedom, freedom. Okay, in the Western mind, freedom means do whatever I please. Life of pleasure. Life of self. What pleases me is what's it all about, living a free life. I know you, if, you, if you read in the dictionary, that's called hedonism. But all of a sudden, we think, you can't impinge on my freedom because the truth is that all of us have our own right to be free and whatever we want to do and whatever pleases me. And if I can live a life of pleasure, that's freedom. Janet and I, I love watching the chase. Chase, chaser. Anybody else watch that? Because I love the trivia. Can I get the questions right? 90 plus percent of the people when they're asked, what will you do with the money? Oh, they're going to travel the world. I'm going to be free. I'm going to go wherever I go, want to go and do whatever I want to do. That's freedom. You realize that freedom to do everything you want to do is actually another kind of bondage? Because you're bound up to your desires. You're bound up to your wants. You're bound up to the things that I've got to have that because it makes me feel real happy. The reality is it's a kind of living that takes you into bondage and it'll destroy your life. Interesting, laying in the bed one of the nights after presence, turn on, must have been ABC, there's the life of Myron Sukumaran and his last days, Korobakan prison, right before he's executed. Now this young man from Australia would have thought, I'm free, I can take these drugs into Bali. In the end, it cost him his life. I can do this, I can do that. Listen, here's the deal, guys. It, it, it's, it's a lie to think. Freedom is doing whatever is right for me. Because as one author said, truth never leads to bondage. And if God is saying it, it will never bind you up. It will lead you to life and liberty. And when you know the truth, the Holy Spirit guides you into it, sets you free from anything that tries to bind you and destroy you. It, you just got to look down there. What's going to happen down there if I keep doing this here? Yeah. Truth will set you free. And Jesus is saying this to the crowd. Guys, it's not like you think. They didn't take it very well, what he was saying. Not at all. That's why they pick up stones to kill him. So in verse 33 of chapter 8, let's go back there. Jesus answered, they answered Jesus, we are Abraham's descendants. We are Baptists. Don't you tell us we're not free. We are Anglican. Don't you tell us we're not free. We are Roman Catholic. For heaven's sakes, we've been there even before you. We've never been slaves to anyone. What? what how, have you not read your history? Have you forgot about 400 years of slavery in Egypt? And even though you came out of Egypt, Egypt never came out of you. And, and have you forgotten about 70 years of captivity in Babylon? 
Nebuchadnezzar, Cyrus, all those kings that held you in bondage for years? Have you forgotten about that? Oh, true, you came back to Jerusalem, but you were still captive. And did you think about the Medes and the Persians? And did you think about the Syrians and all those nations that just controlled you for hundreds of years? And you stand here and tell me you're not slaves. You never have been slaves. What about right now? Yeah, you're standing on Jewish soil, but who tells you where you can go, when you can do, and what you can do? Oh, the Romans. And even though you might live in your land, you still live under oppression. Remember, Listen, it's not your heritage that sets you free. It's not your religion that sets you free. It's truth. I'm I'm really scared that there are a lot of people that sit on church seats occasionally thinking that's going to get them to heaven. And because their parents were some kind of Christian, that's going to... God doesn't have grandchildren. Now, every grandparent gets angry at me when I say this. So just chill. I'm not talking about God doesn't believe in grandchildren. I'm saying God only has children, not grandchildren. You can't get in on your parents' faith. And these guys are saying, we'll get in because of Abraham. And he's going, yeah, no, don't think so. You say that you've never been slaves. You forgot about Egyptians, Babylonians, Medes and Persians, Romans, Syrians. But what about that biggie? It's called sin. Anybody who sins is a slave to sin. You forgot about that, didn't you? Just because you're a good religious boy doesn't mean you're not a sinner. Anybody remember? Oh, I'm going to test your age again. Remember the old Norman Greenbaum song, Spirit in the Sky? How do you know that, Jesse? You just, you've, you've heard it. A oh, grandparent? <laughs> Duck, Simon, I'm going to throw this at you. Good comeback. I listen to it because I listen to it when I'm out exercising, stuff like that, all the old 70s. I love the old rock stuff, especially Bob Seger's rock and roll. Give me that good old rock and roll. Anybody know that one? Too? Don't say anything, Jesse. But in, in Spirit in the Sky, it sounds like a Christian song. But then you get to the place where he says, uh, I've never sinned. I've never been a sinner. I've got a friend in Jesus. Uh, you'd be amazed at how many people think, well, I'm, I'm not a sinner. I'm not like him. Her. You don't compare you're standing with anybody else. And the deal is this. It's not until you realize that you can't set yourself free by being good or religious that, that you become a candidate for freedom. I can't do this. Great. Now you qualify to get it. It's when you turn to Christ and the victory that he won at the cross for you that you change from literally being a slave. He's going to say this in a minute. You change from being a slave to being a son or a daughter. Radically different standing. We're going to talk about that in a minute. This is when true freedom comes to your life because you are not just set free from the penalty of your sin and the curse of your sin. You're actually set free from the control of sin. Listen to me. This is where we get sold short. Yeah, I'm free. I'm forgiven. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. That, that, That saying makes me sick. Because you are more than that. You are not just a sinner saved by grace. You are now a son or a daughter who lives by the power of grace. You know, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Says I'm just excusing my sinning, my downfalls. Stop it. Don't excuse it. Ask the Holy Spirit to get rid of it. 
you know, just move on. You, you've been, you, you, you have freedom from the control of sin. It was one at the cross. Here and now. And I know you're thinking, eh, come on. If freedom is applicable to my life now, then why do I struggle in areas of my life to be free? Anybody thinking that? Oh, you bunch of liars. I think that all the time. I, I go through that in my head. The, you know, the worst demon I ever face is the one called self. Starts with the S word, self. And it tells me, yeah, you're not really free, are you? If, if you were free, what about these areas? And we're going to talk about that further next week. So you've got to come back. But for now, what you've got to get inside you is it's important to have the assurance of the truth that sets us free. It's already ours. And, and, and it does more than just forgiving me and giving me a home in heaven. It's the Holy Spirit saying, let's take control. Let's just take control. Now down to verse 34. Come on, we're going to get ready to wrap up. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now a slave has no permanent place in the family. You know, God only talks about two classes of people. Saved, unsaved. Lost, found. Sheep, goats. Slaves, children. There's no in-between. And he says, you belong forever. So here's that great statement. So, I love that. So, we ought to say that nice and loud. Everybody say so. So, that's it. Jesus goes, so, if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Now, watch the interplay and the interchange here. Jesus plays with this and does something amazing. Sons and daughters in the house are permanent. The Son sets you free so you can be permanent. Listen to me. It took a son, the son, to give us our freedom to be sons and daughters. Oh, oh, don't miss this. In Romans 8, Jesus is called the firstborn among many. Don't miss that. The same freedom he enjoyed to relate to the Holy Spirit and live under his father's leadership belongs to us because he was the firstborn. You're the second born, third born, fourth born, fifth born, billions born in the same kind of heritage of freedom. It's ours. So what does it mean? The new living says this, if son sets you free, there you go, you're new living. I call it the new learner's translation. (laughs) Who was it called the nearly inspired version, the NIV? But James Gray called it the Negro version. Yeah, John Gray. (laughs) So anyway, he 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 was amazing. Here we go. It says if the sun sets you free, you're truly free. It's true. It's real. It's right. Because the truth not only sets us free from something, it sets us free to something. I used to think freedom was just about getting rid of something. Freedom isn't just getting rid of something. It's getting something, becoming something. And he said, you, you, listen, you are free to be in the Father's place. Todd, why don't you come up and start playing? You're free to be in the Father's place. In other words, you're in His family. You belong. Listen to me. You get a place of belonging. You know, in the heart of every person on the planet, there is this innate longing to belong somewhere, to be significant, to be valued. All of us want that. We want to belong 
And so Jesus is saying, a son, a daughter, belongs to God's house forever. His family. We belong to the family and the favor of God. It means this, listen, we're free from, and somebody said this at the conference, one of, one of the, the greatest little barbs of the enemy to make us think we're not free is the spirit of rejection. Because if rejection gets in there, it takes away my sense of belonging, my significance. I'm rejected. And you get that replaced, rejection is replaced with acceptance. The problem is we keep looking in the wrong places to be accepted. Whereas we ought to look to the Father in heaven and hear him say, son, daughter, you're at home. You belong. Doesn't matter what anybody else says, you belong. And the deal is this, you don't, you, you, you don't have to earn it. You don't have to perform for it. The truth is that you belong to the family forever because of grace. It's not just a place of belonging. You know, the father's place, the father's home is a place of standing. I don't just go in there and sit like a couch potato. I have no significance. I have no authority. I have no freedom of enjoying the luxury of my father's house. Because we are in the position of sons and daughters. Remember what I said? The firstborn son won the right for the rest of the, of the following born to be in the father's house, but not just be there and belong, but to stand as a son, as a daughter. You know what that means? We are co-heirs with Christ. What he inherits, we inherit in the Father's house. We stand not as a visitor. We stand not as a slave. We stand not as, not as a cousin, a distant cousin who just shows up on the doorstep. Hello, I'm here. Feed me. We stand as sons and daughters. They make a big deal about all these new princes getting born in England all the time. Well, let me tell you a bigger deal. You've been born into the kingdom of God, your royal heritage. You don't only belong, you stand as royalty, which says you've got dominion on you. But you know what else it means? It means you're free from insecurity. Biggest, biggest demon or a weapon the demons use to debilitate God's people. If you, and every one of us will struggle with this to some degree or another. If we feeling and we're living out of the non-truth of being insecure, not secure, we become enable, unable to do whatever God wants us to do. Because I'm insecure. I, I don't know. I don't have the authority to do this. Yes, you do. And you don't have to fight for this. You don't have to strive for this. Just rest in it. It's yours. You stand as a son and a daughter. Okay, here we go. Freedom that was secured by the son doesn't just, uh, you know, it doesn't just put us in the father's place. We share in the father's business. This is the truth of John that Jesus is trying to get across. He's not saying, you're going to go out and do a lot of miracles. He didn't say that. Do you know that, don't you? He didn't say, you're going to go out and raise the dead. You're going to go out and heal the sick. That's not what he said. Although it includes that. You know what he said? You know the works that I've been doing, by the way, my father's works. My father's business, all those things I did, that's what the father does and he wants me to do. He wants you to do. You're going to do the works that I have been doing and even greater works than these. What are those works? They are the father's business. 
What is the Father's business? Saving the lost, healing the sick, bringing justice where there's injustice, caring for the poor, building up those who are downtrodden. That's the Father's business. I came to seek and to save that, not just those, even that which was lost. Listen to me. He didn't just came to save people, which he did. He also came to save everything that people lost. Oh, gosh. Get this, guys. You are free to share in the Father's business. And you know what Jesus talks about in John? Here's what it means. Stand to your feet. Here's what it means. Knowing the Father intimately. Now, some people haven't been free to do that. You know why? Because yet you still wrestle with the revelation that God is a good Father. You have had experiences that are bad about fatherhood. I grew up watching on television regularly the guy that was the father to many generations, Bill Cosby. He's now gone to prison for the rest of his life. Everybody thought he was the model dad to follow. So people, again, the enemy will use that. Now, I'm not condemning him. He needs forgiveness. But the enemy will use that to go, there you go. No good fathers around, are there? Yes, there are. We do have a father who is good. There's not one bad thing in him. You can know the father. You can be in communion with the father. This is what Jesus is saying. You can hear the father. I'm standing there on the front row. It's, it's not magic. I don't, I don't hear a mystical voice. It's just all of a sudden it comes on me and it's like the father is saying, I want to unlock some things today. And you go, well, that was the Holy Spirit telling you. Of course he was, but he was telling me the father's business. That's what he does. He guides me into all truth. He can do it for you. It doesn't have to be in a building called church. And then we do the Father's works. You know, there's been times in my life that I've felt totally unqualified or disqualified about this, even as a Christian. I can't do that. I'm not good enough for that. I felt so insecure that it crippled me from stepping out and doing something like that for his kingdom. You know, usually it's not fear of man that stops us from stepping out and doing the kingdom stuff. It's our own insecurity. I, he doesn't trust me with that. that. That's for the apostles. That's for the prophets. That's for the gurus. That's for the guys with the mega churches. No. That's for every believer. But I, I just got so crippled by this. And, you know, it's in those moments the only thing I can do is cry out to the Holy Spirit. Help me know the truth that I've been set free with. And all of a sudden, he comes with assurance that I belong in the Father's house. I stand in the place of the Son. I, he reveals to me that I'm included in his work here on earth. This is the truth that sets you and me free. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes for a minute. Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.